And that's why we now welcome in Brad Thomas. Brad, welcome. How are you? I'm great, Mike. How's it going? All right, here we go. Um, and you'll obviously be hearing Brad and seeing him at uh, Monmouth very soon, which opens in just a couple of days. And we might be taking Mongo Nation there on opening day. We're contemplating, uh, after last week's debacle with the shoes, uh, we are contemplating that as one of our options, which would be a stake at Monmouth on opening day, the 13th, we might be visiting Brad's track, so we'll see. Well, look um, forward to seeing you guys yeah, there. Uh, we might be doing that. Uh, we might be there that day, Brad. We'll have to come visit. All right, here we go. Uh, we start with looking at Lee on the rail. Yeah, super seasoning, Mike. Great foundation earned against top-level fields. And for the first time, last time, he was truly looming like a genuine threat to win a greater race when he stretched out to nine furlongs in the Arkansas Derby. He showed nice athleticism and perseverance, weaving his way through rush hour traffic in a frenetic stretch run. He really was athletic. Uh, he was pace aided in those last two races at Oakland as daily racing forms, relatively new pace symbols, clearly show in the PPs. Trainer Steve Asmussen has believed, though, in this horse's mile-and-a-quarter prowess and derby potential for months and always has been pointing for this race. Looking at Lee, though, is a deep closer. He lacks instant acceleration. He needs both a good trip and a pace meltdown. But this is a very weak field, very average, below-average derby field. He's a deep-underneath threat to me. He has a, co- he has a crazy shot to get up for second or even pull a Giacomo. I'm using this horse all over at a big price. I do like the way he got underway when the pace was still alive in the Arkansas Derby. He moved when they were still moving in front of him. And to me, that signals a closer is really developing. And, Brad, I don't know the jock. You trust the jock here in this race? Lannery is having a career year. He's always been strong in Kentucky. He rode spectacularly, though, in Florida. This guy is feeling it. He's an excellent fit for this horse. He's a good come-from-behind jock. Good. But he's somebody you can push to. Uh, now, pace-wise, you got to figure this is going to be a relatively modest pace, right? Ever since the uh, point system has gotten rid of the cheap speed, the derby paces have been softer than usual, and the favorites have been winning. They won the last four. Fast and accurate probably will be on the lead, always dreaming, state of honor, a rap Irish war cry will be looming behind them. If they're good enough and can stay, those horses will be dangerous. All right, Thunder Snow. He's a top-class, well, was a top-class uh, turf two-year-old, both in Great Britain and France last year. He showed some real substance, though, carrying that form to dirt, despite having no pedigree for it in two UAA wins this year at age three. Two back, he beat little. But last time, going a mile and three-sixteenths, which is longer than anyone else in here has ever competed at, he showed genuine character versus 15 horses on a wet surface when he ground out a gutty score over a highly rated Japanese horse named Epicarus, who might run in the Belmont Stakes, and the Pletcher third stringer, Master Plan, who's on the AEs uh, for Saturday. A line through Master Plan puts Thunder Snow about on par with Taprit ability-wise. I like his dimensions and uh, his eight races of high-level foundation, but this horse is going to have to move forward. I don't regard Taprit as a big-time contender here, and he's on par with that one. He's going to have to move forward as Thunder Snow in a new environment. The past derby performances of Asian shippers like this does not bode well for his chances. He only, to me, has a deep underneath chance at best, and that's only due to his obvious inherent class. This is a really 
really good horse. He's just up against it due to circumstances. All right, fast and accurate. Son of Hanson, so he looks a little like Hanson, too. So he's probably going to run like Hanson, which means he's going to run on the front. His dad was tons better, though, yeah. uh, talent-wise. Uh, this horse was a $30,000 maiden claiming graduate. He's had trip issues. Uh, he had trip issues in his lone previous dirt race, but he's improved since then overall. I'm willing to give him that with two turns, with blinkers, and then with Lasix. Still, he's never run a single race on any surface that's good enough to be competitive here. He should not be in this field over a horse like Royal Mo. A grade three win and a grade one third, which Royal Mo earned on dirt, should count more than a grade three run on plastic. No question. Makes and no sense. Churchill needs to really tweak its post system, get the politics out of it, put getting the best horses into the field into it. I totally agree. Untrapped now is another... Your rail horse is Rasmussen. Your four horse, Untrapped, is Rasmussen. He broke his maiden in 2016 at Churchill, and that's definitely a plus, that ability over the track. But he hasn't finished especially well when he was stretched out to two turns this year at age three, four back, three back, two back. He had some relatively minor trip issues when pace and or bias dynamics did not favor him, and the fields were soft. Last time, though, in the Arkansas Derby with blinkers on, he made the strongest middle move of his life in the best field he's ever met while extending to nine furlongs. It was a really good race, but he flattened out significantly late after that effort at that distance. He's not especially nimble in traffic. He's been known to drift under stretch pressure. His pedigree and performances, to me, are not at all promising for a mile and a quarter. The blinkers off Saturday will help, but I think that at best will put him in maybe the top 12. Always dreaming, Pletcher, uh, and also the horse that uh, is getting a lot of attention off a good Florida Derby and also a, a very impressive work, although I gather has been a handful. The being a handful is really going to be an issue. You have to relax to get a mile and a quarter, and uh, always dreaming is going in reverse direction as far as relaxing is concerned. He is a very gifted horse talent-wise, but his real talent level is extremely difficult to measure because he's met weak fields at every rung on the class ladder. He showed some hang, actually, sprinting at age two, albeit when compromised by tough trips, but he's managed to close the deal decisively when closer to the pace and stretching out this year at age three. But the Florida Derby was a poor grade one. It was just filled with horses who did not belong, who were filler material, who were tomato cans or less. While Always Dreaming deserves credit for running a good figure with speed and reserve against them, the runner-up state of honor is distance limited, and the third finish at Gunavera regressed off two gut-wrenching tries and endured a poor journey to boot. Always Dreaming, though, he's a smooth mover, love his athleticism, but he isn't really built like a power dirt juggernaut. Sire Bodemeister was a high-class speedster, but was found wanting at classic distances in both the Derby and the Preakness. And the damn side of Always Dreaming is even less stamina stout. Now, trainer Todd Pletcher's Derby record is thin, too, with puffed-up prep bullies like this one, and Always Dreaming's failure to even have a stretch fight with a top horse, much less beat one, does not augur well to me for his chances in the 20-animal rodeo battle royal. He's a very, very good horse, 
but one is going to have to dig deeper, far deeper than he ever has before, and he's going to have to do it going a bit further than he probably prefers. And as you said, Mike, he does have that behavior issue. He was somewhat pulley even early in the Florida Derby, and his overly aggressive training in Kentucky is a problem. He could get another good, close-to-an-average pace trip like he did in the Florida Derby, but if he can't relax, that will not matter. He will not get 10 furlongs. I'm going to use always dreaming defensively in exotics, but my score tickets will not have him on them. All right, state of honor. Conditioner Mark Cassidy, uh, the trainer of this horse, is a rare modern super trainer who actually believes in running his horses. Witness his handling of the recently retired turf superstar Teppin, who never ducked any race or anybody. State of Honor has run ten times more than anybody in this field. His dirt pedigree kicked in when he finally tried dirt at age three. Four back, he was very hard used, very wide, attacking when the blistering pace was so strong and going a one turn, one mile. He set live fractions but weak and late stretching out to a mile on the 16th, three and two back with blinkers on. In fact, in the Tampa Bay Derby, he was just hung out to drive very wide on the first turn. He took the blinkers off, though, last time in the Florida Derby when he had some traffic early, but still persevered gamely while on a dull rail when well beaten by always dreaming. That really showed some character. He's another really, really nice horse. Not as talented as always dreaming, but I, I do like him. This is a good horse. He's well suited for future live runs in the Met Mile, maybe, next year in the cigar mile later this year but his pedigree and performances don't point to a mile and a quarter he's a pace player the ralliers in here want him to be ridden aggressively and that could be the case because i think he might be a tad fresh off good rest after coming back quick in his last two and he's been training well all right we're talking with brad about the kentucky derby gervin he ran gamely versus a decent field on turf, but he's undefeated on dirt. In his debut at six furlongs, he beat the exciting sprinter, Excitations, who's uh, going to run in the Pat Day on the Derby undercard. And subsequently, Gervin progressed to two turns in the Risen Star and Louisiana Derby when he was pace and trip aided it, though, both times versus mediocre fields. His ability to sit mid-pack and finish, however, allows him to get first run on the deeper closers in most fields without being overly paced stung. But his persistent and consistent habit of switching back to the wrong lead and drifting about through the stretch run harbors ill for his chances of stretching out to a mile and a quarter versus much, much tougher company than he's been facing. I think he's an admirable overachiever, though but he's going to be exposed on Derby Day, especially as he deals with his foot problems and his orthopedic shoes. This horse needs every edge, and he's not going to have it. Uh, Calumet has hence, and this horse is getting some attention despite not running above a grade three entering this race. These grades are so subject to the individual contention in a given race, and the grade three he ran in was on many levels possibly even better than the grade one Florida Derby. Okay, so, so it comes up a good race than the Sun Derby. Indeed it does. Okay. Uh, this horse was green sprinting in his debut at Saratoga, but it was uh, meaningful that uh, his two-year-old rich trainer, Steve Asmussen, took him to the spot when he could have gone many other places. He improved big time next time, stretching out the two turns behind the then-hot guest suite. He moved forward again when showing improved early lick at Churchill, cutting back to a one-turn mile versus the promising Greeley and Ben, who is running in the Pat Day tomorrow. And Greeley and Ben had been a big-time trip in his previous start. He was a really hot horse that day. He was going to win that race. 
Henslow broke his maiden in a live field at Oaklawn in a race that he actually would have won easily if he hadn't ducked in in mid-stretch. In fact, check out the replay. Hence, lost the lead between calls in deep stretch and then accelerated for like the third time in the race to actually win drawing away and very, very handily. Uh, Hence did not respond well subsequently to being widened in traffic on an inside track in a stakes debut in the southwest. Might have been too much too soon. But then in that Sunland Derby that you referenced, Mike, Hence was taken way back out of the gate, right out of the gate. He kept outside horses. He then absolutely exploded with a huge middle move into the pace when it was still somewhat live. He sustained it for more than a half mile. He positively blew away three horses who came back to run great. The runner-up, Conquest Mo Money, who was runner-up in the Arkansas Derby, the Classic Empire, and was the best horse that day on the day. Hence, blew away Hedge Fund, who came back to just miss in the Illinois Derby. And he blew away a rap, who came back to win the bluegrass. A rap was fourth in the Sunland Derby. Now, yes, pace and bias did favor Hence at Sunland, and he is quirky and he wants to be clear of other horses. And new jockey, Florent Giroux, who's really hot right now, better have his whip in his left hand for the stretch drive, because you never know, it can happen again. But hence is a blossoming talent. He has very good rest. He's training superbly. His pedigree doesn't scream a mile and a quarter, though. And he does have the typical blocky street horse build, but hence has the stride of a router. And I think he's a true win threat if he's not forced too wide in the 20-horse field. And also what you have to watch with him is he does have a hot disposition, and you have to really look him over in the post-parade and pre-race. If he's under control, this horse has a huge shot. Interesting. Yeah, so you like – I had a feeling you'd like him. So that, that, and that's a horse that's getting a lot of attention. All right, I wrap. He's a one-pace rhythm horse who needs things to go just right. He has never finished a race at any distance especially well, and now he has to stretch out to a mile and a quarter. His two best races were a well-beaten second to good quality pace for a Royal Mo in Santa Anita's Lewis and a strongly pace and bias aid of 31-to-1 score in the bluegrass over the distance-limited practical joke. A rap wants to be on or just off the lead while going relatively slowly. He's a formula horse, and he's unlikely to get that trip in this matchup. His failure to change leads in the bluegrass does not inspire confidence in his ability to go further. Interesting. All right. And then uh, off that, we go to the next page. We're talking with Brad Thomas on the Derby, and we get the number 10 horse, uh, Gunnevera. I can't pronounce this horse's name. Gunnevera. I'm going to call him Gunnevera. Gunnevera. Okay, Gunnevera. There you go. Is it Gunnevera? Is that how you pronounce this? Gunnevera? Who the heck knows? Gunnevera. Okay, Gunnevera. Go ahead. His people may not know how to name a horse, but I love their business plan, that of the owners and trainer Antonio Sano. They go to big-time sales. They buy good pedigreed horses that are relatively inexpensive because of physical imperfections that the superstar outfits just don't want to deal with. And with good horsemanship, these guys do very well. Gunnavera has the the stoutest breeding in the field, just about, and cost only a mere $16,000 at auction. Wow. Now, there's, there's a lot of bloodstock agents, Mike, who are rechecking their bought notes. bought this horse for sixteen dollars $16,000. they are checking their notes, and of course, the initials of bloodstock agents. And now they agents. throw out everybody, so that's the thing. They throw out horses for basically blemishes now. Well, if you ask me, what are bloodstock agents' initials? BS. Yep. Okay? Yep. Now, this horse was quick enough to win a Saratoga grade two at six and a half furlongs. He finished strongly to win a weak, pacey Delta jackpot going a mile on the 16th. 
He had trip and pace issues when well beaten by Irish war crime, the holy ball, when he finished well in front of a not-at-his-best classic empire. He had a perfect pace bias and trip setup, launching just a dominant rally over distance-limited foes in the Fountain of Youth. That race was probably looked probably a little bit better than it was, though. Right. It was a nice race. He likely regressed some when pace flow hurt and forced to swing out very wide in a Florida Derby that Always Dreaming had under control. As you might expect, Gunnavera is not the smoothest of movers or the sleekest of athletes. Right. And he was well beaten in his three races versus the best of the division when the stars really showed up in their, with their A games. He, he beat some of the stars when they didn't have their A games, but when the stars showed up, he was unable to really contend with them. Even though he rallied honestly each time, he's a, he's a game, hard-trying horse. What I think is going to happen is the Peter principle is going to apply to him. He's reached his level. It's great, too, I believe. The Florida Derby was really a great, too. You know, not the Florida Derby. The race he won, the Fountain of Youth, was, it was truly so a great, So he's a cut below is what exactly. he is. Exactly. Yeah. I will use him in the tries and the supers and modestly in exactus, just defensively, but I don't believe in his ability to step it up again. All right, Battle of Midway. He's yet to run a grade one caliber speed figure, and that's a concern. But his super game, super hard use second in the 13-horse Santanita Derby last time out really showed that he has major victories in his future. He was a lightly raced horse going into that race and was forced to go because of his inside draw. He was purchased subsequently by astute connections and wisely kept with his world-class trainer, Jerry Hollendorfer, who hasn't run that many horses in the Derby, but certainly is good enough to win one. Two-back battle on midway showed he can rate and rally when he held off the highly talented but ill-fated Baffert trainee reached the stars in the Santa Anita optional air the then. Uh, his gut-wrenching uh, Santa Anita Derby uh, came subsequent to that, but I love the fact that he worked a mere eight days off of that very, very hard half-length loss to a quality perfect trip winner in Gormley. That showed that he was thriving mentally and physically despite the severe stress of training for the Santa Anita Derby and running in that race. That's a big positive for a horse like this. Battle of Midway has the pedigree, the physicality of a star, the versatility to deal with a 20-horse rodeo, and the character to grind out the additional 220 yards. The issue is timing. I think Saturday likely will be too much too soon for him to get the win. It's a lot to ask, but to me, he's still a legitimate exact to use on his talent. Uh, it's Sonatia. He's still a maiden, but it doesn't matter in the modern game. Uh, this horse has run against good horses and run well repeatedly. He really improved in his last two when he got out of California and got some pace to run out in Arkansas. Two back, he rode a live rail in what was a soft rebel field. But last time in a good, deep Arkansas Derby, Sonneteer was forced very wide into the lane, and he still ran even better while stretching out a sixteenth of a mile, too. His moving forward at Oakland bodes well for his liking Churchill and trainer Keith DeSormo. Horse for horse has been the best conditioner of dirt-distance three-year-olds in the world the last few years. No one has gotten more out of the quantity of their stock than Keith DeSormo with distance horses. He's the anti-modern trainer who believes in running his athletes to get them tough and fit. And I love this horse's 10 races of foundation. Sonneteer might lack the top, top-tier talent and real grade one acceleration, but this horse is another one who can get a deep underneath piece maybe even a fluky place, maybe even a scary, weird win with pace and a trip. 
This is a mediocre year, and chaos does happen, and it can happen with the right alignment. Wow. It, it really can. That's a heck of a – that would be a bomb shot, that horse. He, he will because he does not look like a derby horse. Uh, but I agree with you about the Somo. He gets a lot out of his horses. Mm-hmm. Jay's boy, Echo. He's failed to be a real factor when uh, things did not break his way in his three stakes defeats. He was green, unseasoned, back quick, poorly posted in the Delta jackpot, wide, pace-deprived, versus a two-turn bias in his need at Withers, and trip pace and bias hindered in the bluegrass. He's better than he showed in those efforts, but I still would have liked to have seen more fight out of him. But is J-Boy's echo, conversely, really as good as his big-figure score when he was absolutely perfectly set up in the Gotham? I don't know. It's the only race is the Gotham he's ever run that's good enough to even be competitive in the Derby. But trainer Dale Romans is as good as they come in big-time spots. And I do like this horse's pedigree for a mile and a quarter more than many of his rivals. If the stars are aligned with the pace and trip gods, I think he has a keen ice in the travers of a win chance. And I likely will save with him win-wise at 20 to 1 or more. But realistically, I see him in the third and fourth slots at best. Classic Empire. This horse was a very, very, very good two-year-old last year. Precocious and speedy enough to win a four-and-a-half furlongs in May. He stretched out in the Breeders' Futurity, pressed a very fast pace while wide, and still finished well to get his grade one. Then he returned only 28 days later in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile, dueled fast and hard with top sprinters, Syndergaard and three rules, blew them out of California, and then held on grittily over the extremely talented, but since injured and retired, not this time. That was a fantastic race. But this season has been rocky for him. Classic Empire showed only moderate physical development, misbehaved and was washy pre-race, and was clearly uncomfortable in traffic when well-beaten in his holy ball return. Then a foot issue, a back issue, and a refusal at times to train in the morning threw off his schedule. He went to a different training center, got into better physical and mental rhythms, and then returned off a 70-day layoff in the Arkansas Derby, needing a big performance to guarantee Derby eligibility. He got the job done. He showed really good late acceleration on the stretch out to nine furlongs, a positive. He was helped by pace and bias in that effort. But again, he was uncomfortable in traffic with his early steadying caused by his own phobias and mental issues as much as race dynamics. And he switched back to his left lead in the final 16th, and he continues to bounce from lead to lead in his training. There's a focus and or physical thing going on here. Now, Classic Empire has to come back in only three weeks off an all-out effort following a more than two-month layoff. He's a horse with consistent pre-race and gait issues. He wheeled at the start at the hopeful and threw his rider and was not involved, obviously. He does not rake comfortably or readily in traffic, and there's 19 horses to contend with. He tends to lose focus in his races, and he has a spotty 2017 foundation with only two races beneath him. Traditionally, animals with his profile come undone under pre-race and in-race derby stress. I will use him defensively in tries and supers and even exactas because talent matters and there's not a whole lot of talent in this field. But I'm going to be looking to get him off the board. My score tickets will have him off the board. All right, from 15 out, and we got some horses left, there's going to be a lot of contenders in this outside group. There's a lot here. McCracken. 
You're talking contender, you're talking McCracken. He signaled the depth of his talent when he was a relatively rare debut winner for patient old-school trainer Ian Wilkes, a disciple of legendary two-time derby-winning conditioner Carl Nafziger. McCracken continued to show lightning acceleration in two dominant Churchill stake scores despite stretching out to a one-turn, one-mile, and then a two-turn mile in the 16th, when he was set up pace-wise very, very well on both occasions in his last two starts at two. But he exploded yet again in his three-year-old return at Tampa Bay, but then he missed the planned start in the Tampa Bay Derby with a minor sprained ankle. McCracken, though, only lost about a week of training, and he returned off a 56-day layoff, stretching out to nine furlongs for the first time in the bluegrass. He was poorly set up pace and bias-wise for the first time in his career. The race dynamics also put him in unfamiliar and uncomfortable trip spots. He was too close to the pace and in the midst of a stalled cluster of fellow rallyers. They were trying to sort themselves out. They were all running into each other. To his credit, while he was no threat to the top two finishers, McCracken did show far more grit and finish than the other closers in the race, Jay Boys, Echo, and Taparit, and he galloped out very well after the finish of the mile and eighth race. Now, while I would have liked to have seen some semblance of the acceleration he showed going shorter. The race is excusable to me due to the layoff and the multiple in-contest circumstances. And trainer Wilkes is expert at using races like the bluegrass as building blocks for the ultimate objective. Both his mentor, Nafziger's Derby champs, lost their previous starts before the Derby, with Unbridled and McCracken's bluegrass defeats being eerily similar in style. Just as Unbridled and Street Sense did under Nafziger, McCracken subsequently has had his physical and mental screws tightened by Breeders' Cup Classic winning trainer Wilkes with ever more intense drills over the Churchill Strip, over which McCracken's three for three. The Wilkes have been featuring powerful yet effortless finishes and big gallop apps, the Nafziger formula. Sire Gosapper is a solid stamina influence, and the dam side is okay from a modern perspective. Horses who accelerate like McCracken does at middle distances on dirt can have their hops dulled somewhat at a mile and a quarter. And traffic always can be an issue for a rallier. And this horse only has two 2017 starts of foundation because of the ankle issue. But he's been masterfully developed otherwise by a homebred operation that focuses on winning the championship races rather than marketing potential stallion prospects in the softer preliminary contest. Making a stallion is not their goal. Winning a classic race is. It's a big difference, and it matters. McCracken is the horse to beat and the one who should be the favorite. Talking with uh, Brad Thomas about the horses uh, in the Kentucky Derby. Just told you about McCracken. Taprit. He was developing beautifully up to a mile in the 16th and the Tampa Bay Derby. Three back in the Davis he made multiple moves due to multiple traffic issues and still fought on gamely behind the high-class McCracken. Two back in the Tampa Bay Derby, he got a super pace setup. Middle moved explosively and finished well to thrash the distance-limited State of Honor, almost as decisively as always dreaming beat State of Honor in the Florida Derby. But there wasn't much in the way of a gallop out that day for Taparit in the Tampa Bay Derby. Stretching out to nine furlongs in the bluegrass, Taprit started poorly, which has happened before, never really got on track, and lost ground through a tepid finishing split. 
He can be tactical, but he does need to clean up his break. Even bigger issues, however, to me, are his extremely sprint-oriented maternal pedigree and his trainer's skill at making stallions in the flashy triple crown preps, but sometimes paying the price with squeezed-out lemons on Derby Day. Tappert, though, has trained well at Churchill Downs. He could be cycling back. The lemon could be recharged. And I think he can sneak into the try or the super with some racing racing luck. But I don't think he really has derby-winning talent. Irish war cry. He is the proud product of a New Jersey racing industry that produced past derby winners' regret and cavalcade, but has fallen on difficult times in recent decades. Hopefully... His success alerts the people and powers in New Jersey that racing there deserves the tools needed to compete fairly. And at the same time, desperate state finances and needed open space preservation would be helped in the bargain. Irish war cry showed uncommon and invaluable stylistic versatility, riding strong biases in his first two starts at Laurel before bursting onto the big-time scene with a slow pace aid, a front-end score in the Holy Bowl over a limited Gunnavera and a not-at-his-best-that-day classic empire. The son of the preeminent stamina-influenced Curlin displayed profound, though, physical development in his three-year-old debut, and that was reflected in the big figure here, and this horse really developed. But then he took an alarming backward step when he chased the liver fractions of a stretching-out sprinter in the Fountain of Youth and stopped badly. Irish war cry, however, bounced back with a vengeance in the Wood Memorial when new jockey Rajiv Mirage raided early before launching a late backstretch attack. The two moved effortlessly to the lead in mid-stretch, and the Colts sustained a steady, strong finish. That was one of the best of the Derby preps. It was a powerful effort, especially given the inside slanted nature of the Aqueduct Strip that day. Mirage and Derby-winning trainer H. Graham Motion have worked Irish Royal Cry behind horses subsequently to ensure his ability to sit comfortably in a big field full of flying dirt. Mirage kept him wide all the way in the wood. He didn't take much dirt. He's outside on Derby Day, but with so many horses, he's still going to take dirt no matter what. While the maternal side of his breeding is very sprinty, Irish War Cry, to me, looks and races like Sire Curlin. His fountain of youth stinker is a knock. But on his overall body of work and raw potential and just frame of reference, Irish War Cry is one of the ones to beat. His outside draw, however, could cause a wide and hard-used trip for a horse of his style. He's not going to be that far back, and I think this post really could hurt him. All right, uh, Gormley. He caught a speed track when he was perfectly posted uh, versus distance-limited rivals in his grade one win last October. He lacked seasoning and a trip in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile. That's a toss. As a son of Malibu Moon, the sire of Orb, who won the Derby in the slop, he loved the slop himself when he outgamed the soft field in the sham. He surrendered then readily to the now-injured but superb mastery in the San Felipe. But then Gormley showed dimension and opportunism when he rated successfully for the first time and worked out a perfect pace-enhanced trip in his Santanita Derby victory. But the Santanita Derby got absolutely no figure, and Gormley's seemingly good finish was a mere mirage that was painted by absolutely crawling finishing splits. The same owner-trainer team for Gormley desperately wanted to get their other horse, Royal Mo, into this race because he's a bigger talent. Gormley's maternal pedigree is iffy for the distance. That and his moderate ability make him a try and super threat at best. Still, I respect super patient trainer Jean Giacomo Sheriff's 
when he does go against type and runs in the Derby. Practical joke. He was absolutely all out at age two, winning a weak hopeful, and then just nailing a very good sprinter going an intermediate one-turn mile when he was strongly paced and biased in the Champagne. He was an admirable, though weakening and well-beaten third when enduring a very poor trip in the two-term Breeders' Cup Juvenile, was well set up at barely outkicked by Gunnavera, went all out to get second over a sprinter in his need of fountain of youth, and then ran gamely versus pace and bias last time in the Bluegrass, but still hung late on the stretch out to nine furlongs and was outfinished by second raider Arap, who of course failed to change leads and still beat him. Practical joke is improving figure-wise, though. He's an expert Chad Brown hands and likely will run his best race yet, third race off a layoff. But both sides of his pedigree and all three of his two-term performances indicate that a mile and a quarter is probably more than a furlong further than his preference. And remember the horse who made the huge middle move in Orb's Derby before fading to fourth? That was trainer Brown's also distance-limited Normandy invasion. And that horse just ran a fantastic race, just couldn't get the distance. I think practical joke, it's going to be the same deal. So to me, the super is the highest place I see practical joke getting into. And finally, uh, Patch. A very uh, imaginatively named horse, he has one eye, hence uh, the name Patch. The son of uh, Belmont winner and promising young sire Union Rags and maternal grandson of Belmont champ A.P. Indy. He's improved with uh, significant stretch outs in each of his last two starts. Last out in the stakes debut in the soft Louisiana Derby, he had a series of relatively small traffic issues starting right from the break. Uh, they accumulated, though, to the point of some real significance, yet he still finished gamely behind uh, the more seasoned perfect winner, Gervin. Patch is a tactical grinder with upside, room to move forward. He might, though, ultimately fall short of being top, top quality talent-wise, and his mere three races of foundation and tepid training at Churchill really hurt. He would have a deep underneath chance for me with a trip, but I think the 20-hole will really kill his chances. All right, so now that we've gone through the field, uh, let's, let's kind of narrow it down here. Uh, who's your who's your most likely winner? McCracken's the most likely winner. He deserves to be the favorite. Uh, I make him deserving to be five to one. McCracken is your is your first horse. Who's your number two horse? Uh, Irish Warcry, I think, is the second likeliest winner. Uh, I make him about seven to one, seven and a half to one. Those are fair odds. I think, though, the post really hurts him, and uh, I think in reality his true chances might even be less than that. I'm still contemplating. Third. But, third pick is hence without a doubt and he will be the one that i'll probably make the biggest win bet on merely because of price i think his true chances are like 11 or 12 to 1 i think he'll be around 15 to 1 he's going to get money he's going to become a hot horse and i don't like that i'm greedy i want even more than that i would say i love him at 25 maybe i like him at 12 or 13 and who's your next horse my win savers at big prices are Sonneteer looking at lead J-Boy's Echo. I can still fiddle around with them at big prices underneath. If they win, I can at least get something back. But the way I would, I would play the race, uh, just general philosophically, among McCracken, Irish War Cry, and Hence, if two of those three horses are in the tries and the supers, I score. If one of those three horses is in the tries and or the supers and one of the three of Sonneteer, looking at Lee, and J-Boy's Echo is in as well, then I'm going to score also. If Hence wins, I'm going to do great also. Very, uh, and 
you're, you're, if you were looking for the long shot, would it be Hens? Would it be Sonatia? Would it be looking at Lee? Which one would be your real, your most likely big price disruptor of those three? Give me those three in some kind of order of chance of really disrupting the race. Hence, looking at Lucky and Sonatia. Hence will be the shortest price of the three. He has the best chance of the three. To me, Sonatier has the second best chance. Looking at Lee would be third, but Sonatier and Looking at Lee are very much the same horse to me. They both have equal chances, pretty much. It's going to be the tr- who gets the better trip that decides it. Uh, Looking at Lee might have a better pedigree for the distance than Sonatier, but I like Sonatier's build and progression in his recent And race. I hear the Sonatier connections are very confident about this race. I think he's going to run a really good race. I think he's going to be there. If he's there and one of my other horses is there, I'm going to do really well. Thanks, Brad, very much, as always. Great job. See you at Mama Clark right. and the Meadowlands Saturday. Absolutely. Brad Thomas, you'll see him over there on the Jersey side. So there you go. Uh, gave you a snapshot of each one. And as you know, uh, the key to Brad is to hook in those big, long horses because those are the ones that can really upset the apple cart where you can play them back and forth with the favorites, and those, you know, in the Derby, you come away with enormous prices in these races. Back after this.